Now, I don't know whether everybody knows me. I know some of you do, and some of them know me a little, and some of you don't know much about me at all. And so I thought I'd just share with you a little bit of my story. Um, we don't have all day, so I'm just going to keep it short. Okay, so I use this. I was born, I was born, um, in Germany, um, nearly, nearly 57 years ago. Um, and I grew up in a wonderful, loving Christian family and done the whole good girl thing. And at the age of 12, um, we had a, we have an evangelistic um, team come through our church, which was, which was back then, well, it still is, I think, a Lutheran church, um, a Protestant Lutheran church, which was predominantly the Protestant church all over Germany. Um, and so at the age of 12, we had a, a team of young people come through, very similar to YWAM. Um, they've done an outreach at our church. And for the very first time at the age of 12, I actually heard someone give an altar call. Well, I actually heard that um, you could actually make a public um, declaration and, and give your life to Jesus. And so I responded because I just felt God just tugging on my heart. And I thought, well, I haven't done that before, so I'll do that. Now, from the moment I became born again at the age of 12, I was on fire. I was zealous for Jesus. I loved Jesus with all of my heart. There was just something that happened um, that day that just totally and utterly made me sold out and abandoned to God, and I was starting to seek his will. And back then at the age of 12, I, I was at high school, very early high school, and um, I thought, well, there's no better time than this than pray for all the people in the high school. And so I started a prayer meeting at the high school. And there was myself and one other girl. And we started a prayer meeting every week at our high school, and we were praying. Um, at the age of 14, I started what they call in the Lutheran denomination confirmation class. And so I was, um, by then I was two years into the Lord, and, and I, I, I loved the Word, I loved the Scriptures. And I got to confirmation class, and the minister taught us all about the Lutheran beliefs. We had what they called the catechism, which entailed the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and with all the explanations, and we had to learn that all off by heart. And then one day he came and he presented a scripture, and he read the scripture, and he asked someone to, um, he asked if someone would like to maybe expound on it, and, and what it meant. And so I was very bold and, um, and spoke out, um, believing that God had given me some insight, some revelation. And I was, and I was speaking it out, I believe, led by the Holy Spirit. And immediately I was shut down because that was not his concept of what the scripture was saying. And, um, and I started arguing. No, no, you wouldn't believe that, would you? But what happened was, he actually kicked me out of class that day. He kicked me out because, because I was, 
I was speaking what I believe the Holy Spirit had quickened to my heart to share with the class. So it happened again in one of the RE classes, because back then we had RE, and um, and again, um, scripture was opened up, and somebody was, and, and my teacher was asking about something, and I, th- I think it was in Thessalonians or something like that. But because I believe that I, I was so sold out for Jesus, that I wasn't afraid to speak up. I wasn't speak, I wasn't afraid to speak out. And again, I was shut down. Anyway, my life went on in a sense that by the age of 17, I, um, I started to question this whole thing about the do's and the don'ts and the law. And I was disillusioned because every time I got on fire, every time I spoke up, every time I thought I was bringing life or truth or whatever to whosoever, especially people in authority, shut me down and I was classed as the as being rebellious. And so at the age of 17, I actually sat down in my room one night and I had my journal out and I was talking with the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm coming against this constantly and I'm just weary and I'm just exhausted and if that is what you're on about, then I'm just going to have a break right now and I'm just going to do things my way for you all. And I did. I've written it down. I said, Lord, I'm just going to do things my way. You know, Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. Well, I did, I did it my way for five years. And guess what? I made a real, real mess of my life. And the miracle that has, the miracle that happened was that I got a visa to come to Australia, a permanent residency because not because my parents and my siblings were here, because I found out later on they wouldn't, they weren't going to let me in. But some politicians pulled some strings, and it's not what you know, it's who you know, and that gave me permission to come here to Australia. But I heard God's voice on the aeroplane. I remember as clear as anything. I probably was still half of my head, half stoned, because that's how I got on the plane. But I heard. I heard God's voice and he says, Honey, I'm giving you a new start. I'm going to get you to start all over again. And I arrived in Brisbane with $5 in my pocket. And back then, $5 bought you a coffee and a packet of cigarettes. That was when things were still really cheap. And that's what I did. So I arrived at my parents' place, and I cut a, I cut a long story short. Um, three months into my stay here, I gave, I recommitted my life to God. I, again, I was on fire for God, and I started living for Jesus, and I was sold out. I was sold out living for Jesus, doing wh- whatever he told me to do, going wherever he told me to go. I've been to many places, and I ended up in Townsville, where I met Malcolm. And again, I've come against this religious thing. I want to tell you a quick story because it will make sense once I get into my message. Um, one Sunday morning, I was, stay, I was living with, um, with a single mom and two children. One Sunday morning before church, an elder of that church came to our house. 
And he told me that God has shown him something about me that he needed to bring to my attention and bring some correction. Now, back then, I was wearing a lot of red and a lot of purple. They were my favorite colors. They're still kind of my favorite colors, but I wear more black now, so I wonder what he would say to me now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He came to me and he said, because I was wearing these colors, he compared me to the harlot in Revelation. And I had a spirit of Jezebel. And I, and he told me that um, he wanted to deliver me from that spirit of Jezebel. Now, these are the kind of things that have come against me time and time and time again from religious people. But guess what? I'm no longer coming under that. I have come into victory, and God warns me now, and God gives me his discernment now, and I can, I can address those issues um, with him, and um, so I have overcome. But these are the kind of things that I'm sure I am not the only one that has would have experienced that, but maybe not quite to that extent, because I, I also believe it's kind of like a bit of a personal assignment of the enemy against me to shut me down and to shut me up. Now, just giving you a little bit of me, I'm, pre I'm what they call a dominant person. That is my personality profile, according to, who is it? Myers Briggs or someone like that. Um, I am dominant and steadfast, which is a good mix. I'm also very loud, and that's, um, Malcolm will vouch for that, that I'm a very loud person. Um, and I'm just who I am. I'm just being me. And today I just want to bring you some aspect of the kingdom of God that I believe will set you free. And if you have been under religion, if you have been under legalism, if you have been under control, or maybe if you have maybe exerted some of that yourself, which I have to be honest, I have in the past, um, then I believe God will set you free. Now, the truth is the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. Whatever God has written in here, that is our truth. Now, it is taught and it is preached and it is received in three different ways. Number one, it can be presented very liberal and it can be received very liberal, which means you just add Jesus onto your everyday life. You make, him, you make him fit into your belief system. You make him fit in, you know, whatever you want. That is liberal. And unfortunately, some churches teach that these days. And some people receive it that way. So they just add Jesus onto whatever their own selfish lives. And they're mixing world beliefs and their own beliefs and philosophies with the scripture to make it fit. Number two, very legalistic. Okay, there can be teaching and preaching, very legalistic. And this is what I was under back in Germany. Do's and don'ts. Law, rules, regulations, and, and it brings death. And this is what I believe God has said back, back in Genesis about the tree that Adam and Eve shouldn't eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the law. That was that was the the rules and the regulations. 
And see, I think God in his wisdom told them not to eat from it because he knew what they were going to come under. And then there's a third type of truth being presented and received, and that is transformational. Transformational. Which means that we're living by revealed truth coming from the presence of God, coming from our relationship with the Holy Spirit, coming by reading the Word. The Word of God, there are layers and layers and layers of revelation that you can draw out. There is scripture that I've read a hundred times, and it never made any sense. And then one day I read it, and, and all of a sudden, it just the light comes on, and there's revelation. And so we can never, ever not read the Word of God because we're living. The Word of God transforms us. What does Hebrews 4.12 say? It says that the Word of God is active, it is alive, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts asunder soul and spirit. Okay? And, it's, and it brings transformation. And transformational truth is a journey. It's a process. And I believe that's where we're all on. At this particular time, we're, we're, we're being transformed, we're changing. And it is the tree of life that God put in the garden. God never told them they couldn't eat from it. But when they, when they, when they, um, fell, when they failed and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then God says, shut the, shut the gate because I don't want them to partake from that. So transformational truth is actually Jesus himself. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the one that transforms us. And Jesus is the one that takes us on this journey, this process of changing to becoming more like him. And the title of my message today is Free to Be. Free to be. There's freedom for you to be whoever God wants you to be. There's freedom for you to be whoever God has created you to be. There's freedom for you to tap into whatever is inside of you and to live and to live that life. Free from legalism. Free from rules and regulations. Free from the law and to live by grace. Now, when you read the Gospels, when you read the stories that Jesus is telling, he continually tells stories about his conflict with the religious system. And we need to be aware that when, when we live according to Jesus, when we live according to the way that he wants us to live, a free spirit like me, you will come against some of those religious um, Restrictions, criticisms. So let's have a look. Turn with me to John chapter 8. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it shows you exactly the confrontation and the conflict that Jesus had with the religious leaders of the day. So I'll read from verse 1. Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again. And soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words, so he sat down and taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the separated ones broke through the crowd and brought a woman 
who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? Now, I'm going to take a break here for a moment. Moses' law, Leviticus 20 verse 10 and Deuteronomy 22 verse 22 says, not just a woman that's caught in adultery should be stoned, but the man as well. So where's the man in this story? They didn't bring him, did they? Man and woman should be stoned to death. Now, give you some background of the days of Jesus. Moses' law was roughly about 264 laws that God gave Moses for the benefit of the people. By the time Jesus comes, which is 400 years later, there were over 600 laws that people had to abide by and live by. 100 of them were against women alone. Women were second-hand citizens back in Jesus' day. This is why Jesus is the biggest and the most powerful women liberator that ever walked the earth. Because he taught women, he taught women, which was against the law. He spoke to women, which was against the law. He had women in his company of travels, which was against the law. But he didn't care because he was living from a different realm that, than the law that, that was established in those days. He recognized the man-made laws, man-made doctrines that he did not come under. Because he was living, what does John say? He says he was living and he said, I do nothing except for what I see the Father do. But anyway, let's keep reading. Verse 6. They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer the questions. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, Let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd, one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience. Finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. That is the kingdom of God manifest. That is the kingdom of God that was within Jesus manifesting on the outward. See, every time Jesus challenged the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day, he came against religion because he was the one that was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And he was the one that operated out of the kingdom from within him, which was a confrontation to the religious leaders 
and it was a confrontation to the law. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven all the time. And with the story of the woman caught in adultery, he showed what that kingdom was like. Because he was going to do something so much deeper than any law can do. And I want to encourage you. God can do things with the Holy Spirit so much deeper than what rules and regulations and the law and, and, and religious um, things could ever do to you. See, once he demonstrated the kingdom from within, I believe that gave him the power even to demonstrate the kingdom from without because he had the kingdom of God within him and so he demonstrated the healing, he demonstrated the deliverance, he demonstrated the acceptance and the love of the Father to the people around them and he was able to do all these miracles. The visible kingdom is the result of an inner relationship an inner responsiveness to God. What does Luke, 11, Luke 17, 21 says? That the kingdom of God is within you. You have the kingdom of God within you. You have an inner kingdom where God rules and God reigns. And you live out of, when we live out of that kingdom where God rules and reigns, when we live out of that inner kingdom of where he is Lord, where we have relationship with him where we have responsiveness to his leading it will manifest on the outside so have a think about what are you manifesting on the what's coming out of you does the kingdom of god come out of you or does the kingdom of self come out of you or even the kingdom of the world come out of you whatever is inside here will manifest on the outside the kingdom of God is an inner kingdom and the place where God is sovereign and when God, where God is Lord. And our lives should reflect that. Okay. Jesus said, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you, Matthew 6.33, he talks about an inner kingdom. Seek first, make sure that God's kingdom is established inside of you first. Live in an inner world that is aligned with the love of God, with the grace of God, with the mercy of God, and the justice. The way of God has more to do with our inner lives than our outward appearances. We can all, we all can put on a really good front. We can come here on a Sunday and say, hey, everything is fine, everything is, praise the Lord, hallelujah, everything is good. You know, I, when I ask you, how are you? It is not just because I'm making, you know, small talk or trying to make nice conversations. I'm, I actually want to know how are you. And I had a conversation with a friend this morning, you know, and, and even on Thursday night, I just said I struggled this week because I had anxiety this week for a couple of days. And um, I didn't know where it was coming from initially, but then I took some time off because that's what I tend to do when, when my world gets a little bit topsy-turvy and I get a little bit overwhelmed and, you know, and, and I can't really think straight. I don't sleep very well. I just sit down and I just talk to Jesus. And I talk to Mel. Because Mel is God's gift to me. And, um, and he, has he has wisdom sometimes and he can put things in perspective. But I have to take care of my inner kingdom. I have to take care of my inner life. Because what's inside of me will come out eventually. And um, 
and again, Mel has been on the, on the receiving side of not so nice things coming out of me, and maybe some of you have. And if you haven't, maybe you will one day, which I hope not. Hopefully not. I'm just saying, we all can put up a front, and we can all put our walls up, and it's most of, most of us do it for self-protection. Okay, but God doesn't want us to be hypocrites. God wants us to be real. He wants us to be authentic. And, um, and, and so we need to take care of what's on the inside of us. Okay, if you have hurt, if you have pain, if you have grief, if you have brokenness in your heart, and, and if you've been around longer than, say, 12 years, 15 years, you most likely have experienced some of that in your life. And, and some of us are much older than that. And so we've been through life and we have experienced some hard times and some, and some pain, but we need to allow God to, to, to heal that and to take care of it so that we don't walk around with masks. We don't walk around with hypocrite, as hypocrites. Because Jesus, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you hypocrites, you whitewashed tomb. You all look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're nothing but dead bones. You're actually decaying. You actually, you know, you stink. And you know what? I don't want to stink. You know, I want to deal with my stuff, and I want and, and I, I want to embrace the transformational truth of the Word of God to do that. And seeking godly counsel and seeking godly wisdom, and to get some somebody to help me, and it's all part of a transformational journey and a transformational process that, to be honest, we're all on. Nobody's arrived. Nobody has it all together. We're imperfect. And the sooner we acknowledge that to ourselves and not bother too much about finding fault and imperfection in others, the better we're off. Okay. So we, we, God doesn't want us to hide behind masks. We are imperfect. And living in the kingdom within is a journey towards wholeness and good relationships. It can never be born out of self-righteousness, but out of relationship with God who chooses not to condemn us, but to welcome us. See, what is the question that every human heart asks? I believe, actually two questions. What makes us acceptable to God? What, what is it that makes us acceptable to God? How do we truly understand goodness and right living? It's definitely not by doing things, good works and stuff like that. See, our understanding of right and wrong and the decisions that we make reflect our inner values. And so again, the decisions that we make, the way we live, we live out of the inside. These values influence the decisions to do something right, whether anyone knows it or not. Or in contrast, it creates an outer mask because we care a lot about what people think of us. I don't care what people think of me anymore. As I said, I'm nearly 57. It took me a long time to get there, probably about 50 years, to actually not worry about what people think anymore. Because if you love me, you love me. If you don't, well, too bad. It's your loss, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's not about right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong behavior, even our Christian life. See, it's not about that. You know, I'm, I'm very careful at the moment with Little River. You know, careful the words that I speak, you know. 
because we condition even our children. Oh, you're such a good boy. Well, what do I base that on? Just because he sleeps well or, you know, he, what makes him good? What makes him a good boy? But we all do it. We reward, we reward children who are good and we punish children that are bad. And see, I think a lot of us, even as adults, have that concept about God that if we do things good, we're good kids and God rewards us. And then when we stuff up and we fail and we sin, then God will punish us. Punishment and discipline are two different things. God never punishes us. God disciplines us and he corrects us because he knows what's good for us. He only knows what's good for us. And so when we're walking down a wrong path or if we're making some stupid decisions, um, then God will, will bring correction and he will bring discipline. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. And that doesn't mean that we're bad kids. Guess what? In God's eyes, we're all good kids all the time. Okay? And that's, and that's how God, that's what Jesus has done. Um, so, the process of doing the right thing so that we get what we want sets us up for a false sense of self. Okay? We get this false sense of self that when we behave good, we're good. When we behave bad, we're bad. You know? And so, it's a false sense of self. And we have to be careful if we don't get caught up in the doing good all the time and in the works. Because ultimately that's religion. You know, that's what the Pharisees were mouthing off about. You know, we're good, you know, we're fasting, we're tithing, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, but did they know God? They didn't know God. You know, I, when I was preparing that message, I, I um I didn't I, I don't know where the scripture reference is for those who are teaching keeping account of me here. Um but there's this story in the Bible about the Pharisee and the sinner who go to the synagogue to pray. And the Pharisee puffs himself up and tells God how good he is. And the sinner humbles himself and us and he knows he understands that he needs the mercy of God. We all need the mercy of God. Because the mercy of God is undeserved forgiveness. None of us deserve to be forgiven. But God gives us mercy and he forgives us. And it doesn't matter what we do, it's always available. So we need to come we need to come from a sense of self that is found where we find ourselves in the grace of God, where we find ourselves in the life of Jesus, where we find ourselves in in the promises of God. Um not trying to put up walls, not trying to put on a mask, pretending to be someone that we're not. See, his mercies for each and every one of us are new every morning. Every morning, you wake up and there's the mercies of God. Every morning. You don't ever have to wake up feeling bad about yourself because the mercies of God are new every morning. It's about... It's about being able to let go of the striving, the rules and regulations, measuring our lives by performance and achievements. And we need to abandon ourselves to the presence of God, the realm of the kingdom of God that is within us, and allow God to be the king of that kingdom within us. And, um, and too often, you know, when we, 
when we fail and when we when we live in our weaknesses and we're having a bad moment and and we react you know we we go back to god and we say oh god every time i want to do the right thing i do the wrong thing and then i do the wrong thing and i want to do the right thing and we're living in romans 7 okay the end part of romans 7 talks about the the struggle that paul had with sin and he was saying oh every time i blow it you know i don't want to blow it but what does Romans 8 verse 1 say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? And we need to live in Romans 8 and even beyond verse 1. Can I encourage you? Romans 8 is a fantastic chapter. Okay? Um, living in the kingdom is living in the place of who we are and sons and daughters of God. Freely and joyfully in his presence where we can be free to be. I want to read to you. Romans 8. I was talking with someone um, at the bowling night. Um, we were talking a little bit about victory and triumph, you know, and how we can overcome. And um, I was reminded of a message I heard by um, Joseph Prince. And he referred to this scripture about um, can anything separate us from the love of God? And there are actually 17 things that Paul mentions here that cannot separate us from the love of God. And um, the last one is nothing in all creation, which means absolutely nothing okay, can separate us from love. But there's 17 things, and 17 is the number of victory. So let me read it to you. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day, and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, right, life, neither angels, demons, neither our fears, for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell cannot separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how we behave on what we do. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. What matters is that we're living in the transformational truth and the revelation of that God loves us, that we are his sons and his daughters, that we have the kingdom of God within us and that we need to steward that kingdom and that we need to allow that kingdom to come out. Because the world, the world needs to see the demonstration of the kingdom of God, more than ever before. We are all alive in this time because, guess what? God knows that you are able to, to represent him to the world in a way that was never represented to the world before. Religion. Religion was presented really well in decades, centuries before. But what we have today the understanding, the revelation of the love of God, the grace of God, the, the, um, 
the identity of sons and daughters that has never been in the world before. It's for today. It's for today. And so I want to ask you, where, where do you see yourself in that whole picture of living by works and rules and regulations or living in the transformational truth of the love of God, the grace and the mercy of God? See, some of us have come out from under that, like I shared, I shared of myself. I have come out from under that. I can smell the mile away now. And, and you know, hate is a strong word, but I hate religion. I hate it with a passion. Okay. And, and, and God doesn't want us to be bound by that. God wants us to be free. We sang it this morning. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all we need to do is embrace the spirit of the Lord. Get with the Holy Spirit, who is not a dove. Who doesn't leave us. It's the Holy Spirit is our friend. He's our companion. He's with us all the time. Okay, and we can we can never lose. We can never lose the love of God. We can never lose the goodness of God. We can't lose it. Okay, we can't lose it. We can walk away from it, but that'll be our choice then. But we can never lose it. God never never leaves. So we need to choose to live resting in God and abiding in relationship with Him. To find our true self and a sense of freedom, being loved for who we are. You know, it takes God to love me. But He made me. So it's His problem if people don't love me. It's okay. So I wonder just how many of you, you have struggled with this whole thing of doing good and doing bad and. You've been doing this dance, this dance between the law and grace and grace and law and law and grace. You've been living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you, and then you've been living in the tree of life. Maybe you lived under religion. Maybe you've come out of um, an institutional religion that you know has shut you down and that has you know um, hurt you. God wants to heal. Heal us today of anything that is still dead. See, Jesus warned the disciples to be aware of the of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And I won't go into the Herod thing, but you know, the religious spirit today is alive and well, and we have to be aware of it, and we have to be discerning, and never ever come under it. So, if you've been there, let's just all stand. If you've been there. And, um, and, and anything I said today resonated with you because I didn't follow my notes that much, but mostly. But if anything I said today has made sense to you and God has spoken to you, just put your ha hand on your heart or on your head, wherever you need God just to touch you. You know, it might be a mindset. It might be something. You might even have some religious thoughts. You know, God wants to pull them down today. He wants you to be free today from religion from the effects of religion and anything that, that would hinder you to live in the kingdom of God free, free to be, free to be all that God has created you to be. So Father, I just want to release, I want to release your love, I want to release, Lord God, your grace. Lord, I want to release freedom 
Lord God, to people's hearts and minds, Lord God. People who have been wounded by religious institutions, by religious systems, Lord God, by this religious spur that comes against the kingdom of God within and challenges and shuts down and controls, Lord God, in, in ways that you, you never intended us to be, to be controlled, God. So I want to release your freedom, the freedom of your Holy Spirit, the freedom of your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that transforms us. Lord, that sends us on a journey and the process of, be, of becoming who you want us to be, God. So, Lord, I want to release this, Lord God, over your people today, especially those, Lord God, who just need their hearts and minds renewed, Lord God, and healed and restored. So, Father, you do it by your Spirit. You do what only you can do. You do what only you can do in us and through us, Lord. And Lord, for those of us, Lord God, who are living free, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we would be so free, we would be so living in your kingdom, that just like the sinners were attracted to Jesus, they would be attracted to the Jesus in us, God. Because the sinners got it. The sinners got it. The sinners got who Jesus was. They were never, ever, they were never, ever um, turned away. They never, ever conflicted with Jesus. They came and worshipped him. They came and poured their lives before him. They came and sought him out because they saw the kingdom of God. So, Father, I pray that we would be just like that, that the world would be attracted to us. The world would be attracted to the Jesus that is inside of us, that inner kingdom that we carry. The world would be attracted, Lord God. Lord, I pray this for our community here, that we would be a community Lord, that would be attractive to the people in the world because Jesus is here. Because the kingdom of God is here. Because grace is here. Because honor is here. Because the love of God is manifest in us and through us. So, Father, I release this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just really felt uh, as mum was speaking... When mum said that she wrote that letter to God and said, I am having some time out, just as a show of hands, how many people have actually at some time or at some stage in your walk with God have actually walked away and then come back? Raise them high because I want you to see something. That is many of us. Do you understand? So there's people right now who are in that season of disconnection. And you're thinking you're alone. You're thinking, oh, a lot of what Edith shared today is really hitting me in the feels, in the heart, but I don't know how to respond. And you think that by coming back that you're all alone. But remember, Jesus is the good shepherd, and he went after the one. And the sad thing is, is that religion, which mum talked about, will keep you bound, will keep you in a rut or a continual cycle where you think you're doing right. I have a, sen- a strong sense that today being baptism day, that there's going to be more than one person that's going to be baptized today. Because in his house today, there is someone in that season or some people in that season that God is calling home, calling back to him, back into the fold. And I even feel that there's been people that have been coming along to church for years that have been doing it 
in a religious standard. And I think today is a special, special day. So if that's you, you're not alone. You saw the hands that went up before. Respond today. Do what God is really wanting to do here and bring people back. So we're going to worship and let God do some cool stuff in His house. Amen.